I want to um, begin this morning with a little bit of a, a movie quiz to get us off and going. Uh, I love the movies myself and uh, I'm an avid movie fan. Uh, so here's a little bit of a movie quiz just to see what other movie fans have got out there. So who was the first female monster ever to appear in a movie? Was it A, Godzilla, B, Bride of Frankenstein, C, The Mummy, or D, Kim Kardashian? So A, for Godzilla, votes in the house. B, Bride of Frankenstein. C, Mummy. D, Kim Kardashian. It was B, okay? It was the Bride of Frankenstein. This one, what was the first movie ever to be called a blockbuster? Was it Star Wars, Gone with the Wind, Jaws, or Dumb and Dumber 3? <laughs> Just a clue. Wasn't the last one. Anyone want to shout out? What do you think? Gone with the Wind. Star Actually, the answer is Jaws was the first movie ever to be called a blockbuster. Which of these, of these actors had a job polishing coffins? Marlon Brando, Sean Connery, Robert Pattinson or Vin Diesel? Sean Connery is the correct answer to that one. And the final one, what do these actors all have in common apart from the fact that they're all actors, all right? So something else. Daniel Radcliffe, Julianne Moore, Kira Knightley, Hugh Laurie, Jodie Foster and Ian McKellen. They are all atheists. Every single one of those actors is a professed atheist. Now here's the thing. Card-carrying atheists on the planet are actually very, very rare. You see lots of people that say they don't believe in God. When you press them, they aren't really atheists. They're agnostics. Because I can't tell you how many people I've had a conversation with who said they don't believe in God. And then when I say why, they say, because God allowed this to happen and God allowed that to happen. I say, hang on a minute, you're not an atheist, are you? Because you believe in God, you just don't like him. Or you don't understand him or you don't connect with him. I understand that. But many people who, who almost like want to say they're atheists aren't because they're just not sure. Very few card-carrying atheists actually on the planet. And my goal today is simply this. If you are someone who's not sure whether there is a God, you're not sure whether God has arrived, you're not sure whether there is anybody out there, and I'm not talking about aliens, I'm talking about God. If you're not sure, my hope and prayer today is that you will open your mind to the possibility that there may be. And then you would go on a journey of exploration, as many of us have, to actually have maybe some of those questions answered and that you would come to a point in your life when the God that we talk about arrives in your life as well. That's my hope for you. But my hope and my goal also is that if you're someone who is a Christian, that actually on my hope and prayer is that you're going to have your mind inspired and you're going to have your confidence and courage to go out with this message because our faith does stand the test of scrutiny. It doesn't crumble in the face of science as I'm going to talk to you about this morning. But I've got a third goal this morning, and this one maybe is the one closest to my heart right now, is that my hope is that many of you in this room, who maybe you are a Christian, you know God exists, but you're struggling to believe it for yourself right now. You're struggling with the thought that God maybe somehow has abandoned you, or that God has deserted you, or that God has left you, that He's kind of gone away again. My hope and prayer is that you'll know that the God who's arrived, arrives in your life as well, and you are not alone. That's the goal this morning that we want to accomplish. So we want to look for those of you that aren't yet Christians, that maybe your mind will open. Those of you that are, that you'll be encouraged and strengthened. And for all of us that we know that we are not on our own because God has arrived. 
What I want to do is to look at the existence of God uh, in the 20 minutes that I've got, is to look at three big, uh, big arguments, if you like. The first one is cause and effect, which is called the cosmological argument. The idea, and films like Arrival, they're all about meaning and sense of how we as humans fit into the bigger picture, the universe. How did all of this arrive and how did we come to arrive as part of the universe? This is the cosmological argument. The idea is that this, that the universe had a beginning. It had to be caused by something. This wasn't something that scientists used to believe, but now they do. But I want you to imagine in your mind a picture, which I'm sure many of you have seen. Anyone seen dominoes toppling? Anyone seen that? Where, where people do these really uh, you know, creative things and the dominoes all topple to the end. Somebody has to push the first domino. Think about that. We'll come back to that. Now, this guy is pretty key in here. This is Dr. Edwin Hubble. And before him, the telescope, famous Hubble's telescope, before him, many believed that the universe had no beginning. He discovered that all matter is packed into dense mass at temperatures of trillions of degrees and then a huge explosion, commonly called the Big Bang. Now, for us as Christians, okay, I'm a Christian, obviously. For us as Christians, we can believe that the Big Bang is a real threat to our faith the opposite actually is true. And you see, this idea was then uh, found in 1992. The Cosmic Background Explorer satellite discovered incredible stuff. And then as recently as 2014 in Antarctica, scientists discovered gravitational waves, which they've called the smoking gun of the Big Bang Theory. Now, I became a Christian at the age of 15 and a half, brought up in a Christian home, but gave my life to Jesus when I was 15 and a half, coming up to 16 or so. And I remember then, right after that, when I was 16, 17, 18, going to college, one of the subjects I studied was geology, and I loved geology. But I remember as a new Christian, very passionate about my faith, very passionate about God, I remember sitting in geology classes, and, and the teacher, uh, you know, saying, here's how old the earth is, so if, if you're one of these religious people and you believe this, then you're wrong, and where's your brain, and all this kind of stuff. And I remember sitting there, and I'm sure all science teachers don't operate in a lot of the way he did, I'm sure that's true. But I sat there thinking, my faith is starting to crumble in the face of science. Now I don't believe that at all. And if you are a scientist today, you are really welcome here. Do you know what I mean? We love it. Science and faith are not mutually exclusive. Far from it. Our faith does not crumble in the light of scientific discoveries. It just means science has caught up with what's happening. That's all it means and it's catching up. It means if we believe in the Big Bang, that there was a moment when, when all of the, everything started, it means that there was a creation event. So actually, the scientific discovery of the Big Bang doesn't threaten our faith. It actually goes on. Does it mean then that because of the Big Bang, we now can say we have a God? Well, science can't answer that. It's way above its pay grade. But it has led many scientists to the conclusion that yes, there may be or there is design behind it. You see, it is a scientific impossibility that absolute nothingness could produce anything. To believe absolute nothingness could produce anything takes more faith than I have in God. It really does. So where did all this stuff that got big banged come from? Who pushed the first domino? Listen, even if we could come up with a theory that would account for the creation of something from nothing to the laws of physics, you still have to account for the origin of the laws of physics. There's got to have been a something. So with that backdrop, let's look at the Bible. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 to 3. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. 
Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the earth. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Listen, you do not get from non-life to life without and God said. All the Big Bang Theory does is tell you there was a moment when there was nothing and there was a moment when there was something. But you do not get from non-life to life without these words, and God said. Now listen, hundreds of years or thousands of years after that, the Apostle Paul in Romans 1. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. This universe that we see, cause and effect. How did it all come? It's got to have started somewhere. That's where we see faith playing its part. The second argument is the design and order argument or the teleological argument, using big words this morning. is this idea, how do you account for the intricate, intricate design of the universe? You know, all designs require a designer. You know, if you, if you see a building and, and we're watching the building develop over there and, and we go in and we look at the building, it's taking shape. An architect designed all of that. If you look at a painting, a painter designed that. When I first used to go into schools, uh, sharing my faith and doing lessons and stuff, and, and I'd, I'd do some stuff on, on what I believe, and people would always ask me, the kids would always ask me, so how do you believe the world was created, and, and is there a God, and all of this. And I used to use this illustration, it's really simplistic, but I was in the days when you used to have a watch with a, a leather strap, probably you, maybe some of you still got that, um, I said, imagine a cow walking down a street, and that's where you get leather from, a cow. And in the street, there's a steel factory and there's a glass shop and there's a jeweler's. Imagine an explosion and the cow and all of those shops and factories go up into the, into the air. And as they come back down, as you clear out through the thing, there's a beautifully functioning watch formed out of the parts of that. What are the chances of that? Because that's basically what we're kind of encouraged to believe, that the intricate design of the universe has somehow come around through randomness of that kind of nature, which is incredible to get your head around. Psalm 19 says, The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display His craftsmanship. Day after day they continue to speak. Night after night they make Him known. They speak without a sound or word. Their voice is never heard. Yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. God has made a home in the heavens for the sun. I don't know about you, but when I look at the universe and when I discover something about the universe or some scientist tells me something, it doesn't make me say, oh, see God, where are you? It makes me go, God, you're so amazing, doesn't it you? Just God, what an incredible. All science does is it tells us what, it doesn't tell us who. That's where faith comes in. Then there's the intricacy of the human body. Talk about design and order. You know, the largest bone in the human body is the femur. It can support 30 times the weight of a person's body. Ounce for ounce, your femur is stronger than steel. Messages from the human brain travel along nerves up to 200 miles an hour. A human's ears and nose never stop growing. Don't we know that? Eh? Don't we know that? <laughs> a human's little finger contributes over 50% of the hand's strength. If a human being's DNA were uncoiled, it would stretch 10 billion miles. One human being from Earth to Pluto and back again. I just think that's amazing. When I look at the human body, it's incredible. But what about evolution then? That disproves God, right? Firstly, evolution is a theory. 
It has several holes and gaps in. Several leading scientists would say the same thing. But even, this is where it could get controversial, even if the theory were proved 100% true, it's not necessarily a reason to discount the existence of God. Genesis 1.27, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. The language of the Bible, especially in Genesis and in Revelation, the beginning and the end, is very literary and very poetic. In other words, it doesn't tell us the detail of how, only the detail of who. That's one of the things that I think as Christians, we need to open our mind to the thing that we don't know exactly all of the how God did it. We just know that he did. We just know that he pushed the first domino. We just don't know exactly how all these things happened. The problem is with evolution. If you take out a designer, okay, if you take out an architect of evolution, you have several massive problems, scientists say. Firstly, there's the problem of time. Scientists believe that the earth is around 4.6 billion years old. But when they find the evidence of complex life, the gap between that is about 170 million years. Scientists themselves say that's not long enough for everything to cool down and everything to happen in the way that they say it does. So there are massive gaps if you take out a designer. Many scientists now are saying it's like believing an iPod, an iPhone and an iPad are all instantly created by a single explosion in a warehouse. Even if there was enough time, who pushed the first domino? Evolution itself doesn't war against the belief in God. Now, I'm not saying this is what I believe. I'm just saying this is a belief. It's called theistic evolution. I'm not saying that's what I believe. I'm saying that's what many Christians do, and that's okay. The alternative, folks, is to say that time plus chance in the context of chaos created a universe of incredible order and creatures of stunning design. I think it would take more faith to believe that. Dr. Anthony Flew was a professor of philosophy at Oxford and he was quite a famous atheist, wrote lots of papers around atheism in his later stage of life. He renounced all that and then wrote almost the opposite of that. And some of them that I've mentioned before, a guy called Lee Strobel, an American investigative legal journalist, worked for the Chicago Tribune, was a committed atheist. And one day his wife kept going out every Sunday morning. He didn't know where she was going. One day at the breakfast table, she said, Don, I need to tell you that I've been going to church and I've become a Christian. And because he was such a, a brain and such a thinker and such an, a journalist and a reporter, he said, right, I'm going to go all out and I'm going to prove that God doesn't exist. And actually, as he looked at the evidence and the facts, he became a committed follower of Jesus. And he wrote an incredible book called The Case for the Creator. See, see I think we just got to understand that actually our faith is grounded. There's some really interesting things that we can get our heads around. So you have cause and effect, design and order. But then the third one is the humanness of humans. And I love this one. Where does human personality come from? If there's no designer, if there's no God, where does human personality come from? What distinguishes us from the rest of the animal species? Legs, lungs and lips. Okay, but what about soul? What about serving? What about self-sacrifice? What about spirituality? Blaise Pascal was a 17th century French philosopher. He coined the phrase a God-shaped vacuum. That There's like a God-shaped vacuum inside each and every one of us. The hunger for God, scientists call it a God gene. They don't define it as God, but they call it a God gene. Freud, Sigmund Freud said, we hope for God. He didn't believe in God, but we hope for God. My question is that if evolution in itself is correct and there's no designer, why hasn't that been evolved out? 
If there's no God, why hasn't that hunger for God been evolved out over the centuries? But it isn't. There are more people that would say that they believe in God today than at any other time in the history of the world. And I want to suggest that I think that's there because someone put it there. I think that's there within us because somebody put it there. C.S. Lewis, who himself was an atheist who became a Christian, said, If we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. The Bible puts it this way, Ecclesiastes 3 verse 11. Yet God has made everything beautiful for his own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. I want to ask you a question this morning and please think about this. Does the existence of God make more sense than the non-existence of God? Because I think it does. I think when you look at the evidence, you look at the facts, it actually makes more sense than the non-existence of God. You can say that the Big Bang banged itself. You can say the complexity and design of the universe and us is by chance. You can say innate spirituality is simply a fluke. You cannot argue with changed lives. Amen? You cannot argue with changed lives. You know, in preparing for this, just yesterday as I was reading over it, I found this little story about a guy who was an atheist and he was really disturbed because his, his young son was starting to go along to church and was starting to get engaged with the Christian faith. And so he made him this plaque, this kind of ornate plaque, which he was going to stick up in his room to, 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 to remind his son of something. Uh, and, and, and he put this and it just simply said, God is nowhere. God is nowhere. And his young son came in after church and looked at him and went, yes, God, Dad, that's exactly what we've been told at church. I'm just reading it differently. He says, God is now here. God is now here. Just put a little gap in between the W and the H and everything changes. God is nowhere. No, God is now here. And I want to say, if you don't know that for yourself, you can know that. If you know it's true. You should celebrate that and you should be joyful about that. But do you know what? My heart's heavy today for those people who do believe in God but are struggling to believe that God is now here. We do know God exists. We do know God has arrived. We do know God sent His Son. But like in the film Arrival, she can't get her head around the personal loss and pain and tragedy of her own life. My understanding, my experience over 20, 25 years of chatting to lots and lots of people and in my own life is this. When pain comes, you have one of two choices. You run away from God or you run to Him. And I'm seeing so many Christians right now who are choosing to run away from God because of the pain. It's not that they don't believe in God. They just can't understand how God could allow all these things. And listen, there's lots of things that don't make sense to me neither. But to take God out of them makes even less sense. If you run away from God, all you're doing is running away with your pain and away with your questions and away with your doubt. Why don't you run to God? He's the only one who can give you any comfort or any answers or any life because God is now here. Isn't he? And if that's true, and I believe it is, that means that you and I are never, ever alone. I want to pray for any of you that are struggling to believe this right now. Maybe because you've never given your life to God. You don't even know that He exists. But maybe you have, but you're struggling to believe this in your own life right now. I want to pray for you that as we sing this together, that God would arrive. That God would arrive by His Spirit 
Not just in our head, but in our heart. You don't come to faith through God just through intellectual reason, but through a revelation of the heart. And our faith isn't devoid of the intellectual reason, but it's the revelation of the heart, which is so important. So my prayer for you is that as we sing and as we worship, that God will arrive again in your life today. And that for those of you that may be struggling to believe that God is here, that God sees your situation, He's in your marriage, He's in that family situation, He's in that finance, He's in that health challenge, He's in that fear. God is now here. He's not nowhere. He's now here. That's my prayer for you today. So let's pray. Father, I want to pray. Lord, in Jesus' name, by your Spirit, would you come and fill our lives with your presence? Would you arrive again in Jesus' name? God, I believe where there's hope that is diminishing, may you bring back hope in Jesus' name. Where there's nothing but darkness, may you bring light. Lord, where there's despair, would you bring hope and courage again, I pray. Lord, maybe where there's doubt, would you bring a sense of your presence But we don't know all the answers. We don't know why all the things happen that they do. But God, you are the only one that has anything worth that we could go to. You are the one that has the words of eternal life. Why would we run from you? So Father, we want to run to you this morning, not away from you. Help us, I pray, to know, but know beyond the doubt that we are not alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship and sing.